0: And weather was brought to you by Cities One Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Welcome back, Henry Lake in for Chad Hartman on The Good Neighbor. It's time to check in with friend of the show, one of the best segments that we have here on the station, whether it's on my show or Chad Hartman's show, that will be the Purple Insider himself, Matthew Collar from Purple Insider. We're talking to him on the John Schuster Callbaker Hotline. He is at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. He's going to be coming back to Minneapolis. Before we talk football or even dive into uh, anything that way, you got any intel or insight, uh, some inside scoop on this whole situation with Lindsey Whalen and her stepping down as coach?
1: Yeah, I don't know if I would call it um, a scoop, but I think I have a decent understanding of, The situation, just uh, considering, you know, my wife Sloan, former WCCO radio uh, reporter, uh, being a broadcaster in Big Ten and and knowing Lindsay Whalen pretty well, you know, I think that this, this is a a really, really, really challenging environment for college coaches today. Like, I don't just mean NIL, I just mean with players and, and all the things that are required that go into college coaching that aren't just coaching basketball. And so I I don't want to sound like I'm speaking from a place of sources or anything else like that, or speaking for her. And I have the the utmost respect for Lindsay Whalen. But I think with Lindsay Whalen, it's a lot to do with the, all the other things that are the problem uh, with doing a job like this, that aren't just the coaching of the basketball. You know what I mean? Like she is a former WNBA player and a legend. And I think that when you get into that college coaching realm, if you envision yeah, I'm just going to scheme up like all these things and train these players and coach these players and everything else. But then there's so much else that goes into it. There's thousands and thousands of hours that go into the travel and the recruiting and everything else. And she went right from playing right into this job. So there was no real break for, for Lindsey Whalen. And, and if I just had to take a guess, I would say that it probably wore her down. And she wasn't able to land the next Lindsey Whalen there, the next big recruit And she had some players leave and then had to kind of restart the whole thing. And it's a whole process with rebuilding a program like that. And there's just a lot that goes into it. So I I guess I'm a little surprised that maybe she didn't kind of see how some of these freshmen came to fruition over the next couple of years. But in a way, I I get it with somebody like that who goes right from a pro career and is all basketball all the time right back into all basketball all the time. And I could see her wanting to – have a job that maybe just doesn't entirely consume your life like this
0: well and on top of that look like it, it, this is just full transparency I'm friends with Lindsay I've known Lindsay for uh, for many years um, I've you know been over to practice um, I see her in some social settings as well um, I'll text her every now and then and check to see how she's doing all that. The thing that I know about Lindsay Whalen is she's a competitor like she she hates to lose at anything. And so, like, there's a part of me that's surprised that there isn't another goal, like, for next year because of the talent that came into the program this year. And you can see glimpses from some of the young ladies. You're like, okay, I can tell that a year or two from now, that that young lady is going to be special. That young lady is going to be really good. This team can maybe have something to build off of. But on the other hand, the more that I think about it and think about her competitive nature – she don't take losing well. <laughs> so I kind of – I get that too. You know what I mean? So so I it, I was surprised when I saw it and, and Charlie showed it to me initially. I was surprised. But the more that I think about it and just the lack of success that she's had in Dinkytown just in terms of um coaching on the bench because she's had a ton of success as a player. Um, I don't want to say it makes sense, but it makes a little bit more sense if that makes sense.
1: No. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, one of the most competitive people that you will ever run across, and and you don't have to explain that to Minnesotans about Lindsey Whalen, but think about this, too. If she was doing this 10 years ago and had some freshmen that she thought could be really good players and had a very difficult year, well, you could look forward and say, all right, well, this player is going to turn into this, and this player is going to turn into that, but – they could all just leave. And that's what happened last year. I mean, with Sarah Scalia, who now plays for Indiana, who is one of the top teams in the country and has a chance to win a national championship. I mean, if you show something as a freshman at a bad program and then, you know, somebody's going to come make a phone call to you and say, hey, how about you come off the bench and be our sixth man or something at at a good program that's winning right now and you don't have the ability to just build and build and build year in and year out. And so it takes so much work on that front. And also you've got to be the person that behind the scenes is also calling other people and asking them if they want to transfer to your place. And, and there's so much more politics to this than it would be, say, if she joined the, the Lynx staff or something like that, where then it would just be coaching basketball. And, and I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm not saying it will, but it wouldn't shock me if someday that happened where she worked with Cheryl Reeve in some capacity. I'm just purely coaching basketball because I think that that's what, that's what she really wants to do. So it's unfortunate that it didn't work out with her because it's just the perfect thing to have the former player who made that program once upon a time. Uh, but at the at the same time, I just see all the other moving parts that maybe when you take the job, and think about, like, the landscape has even changed so much in five years. That's been a big discussion here in Indy about how the college landscape has changed so much. When she took the job, it really wasn't like this exactly, and it has just changed everything about how college coaches need to approach what they do. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, maybe, maybe it's the right time to, to move on for somebody who wants to take that on.
0: Yeah. All right. You are in Indianapolis at the NFL combine. I've never been to the combine, man. So, so, so let me ask you this. What is the combine like? Like is it media all over the place doing shows is it i mean we know that it's it's you know everybody's there in terms of like from you know NFL circles and front offices and stuff like that and scouts and all that and you got agents there but like what is it like for you as a as a media member like how how crazy is it
1: yeah i mean everybody everybody kind of has different things going on so there's you know all the coaches and scouts and management and things like that who have meetings and meetings and meetings and meetings with players and with Uh, companies who want to have their company work with NFL teams and, you know, with each other, with agents, all the agents are here as well. They're meeting with the teams about what's going to happen next. This is where really everything is decided. So when the Vikings are making that choice, what are we going to do with player dot, dot, dot? Like that choice is being made often here when they meet with the agents and go through the potential options. So if they're meeting with Kirk Cousins agent here, which I would suspect that they probably will, They're trying to find out, is there a common ground here and and what's going to happen? So uh, a lot of the following season is shaped here and sometimes it's not in, uh, you know, meetings in the middle of the day. Sometimes it's at one of the steakhouses late at night and one of them doesn't even close, uh, even though I think legally it's supposed to, but during the combine they stay open pretty much all night. Um, and there's a lot of NFL people who meet up there and have these discussions that are going on about, you know, trades and deals getting done and stuff behind the scenes. So that's kind of cool to see. Uh, there's there's sort of two NFL combines. There's during the day when we're meeting with Kwasi adapo Mensa, meeting with Kevin O'Connell, listening to podium press conferences, players' press conferences who are, you know, likely draft picks and things like that. And then there's the nightlife where, you know you're at this place running into this person and you're at that place and you're seeing these people talking and stuff like that and it's pretty much the entire NFL world at once so there's kind of a night and a day life that you know um it just yeah i think everyone loves it in the NFL because of that because it gives them all an opportunity to kind of be here around each other and you know have those conversations and things like that that eventually lead to what happens next over the next couple of weeks
0: talking to Matthew Collier, purple insider here on the on the uh the Good Neighbor News Talk 830 WCCO Henry Lake Inn on the Chad Hartman show. And correct me if I'm wrong, uh regardless of compensatory picks, the Vikings have four draft picks, right? In, in this year's draft?
1: Uh yeah, is it four? Is it five?
0: I, I think, not many. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's four but it, it, well there's there's I think that they've they've got a round 1, a round 3, a round 4, and then they have around five, and then a, they'll end up right, with five with the right, with yeah. The, yeah with the compensatory pick. All right, so, so okay, so, right? Yep. So 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 this is my question though. All right, and this will be a question we'll revisit after the combine is all done. But I'm going to ask you before going into the combine from a pick perspective, knowing that you're lacking picks, what um, are they trying to evaluate for? Do you get a sense of, or do you think they should be evaluating in terms of like? position-wise and and maybe have that that little short, like the want list of this is what we need to to research, this is what we need to figure out going into the NFL Combine?
1: Yeah, one of the things about the Combine is you walk out and every team has a good sense of what's going to happen in the draft. Like with with other teams' draft boards, they do their own internal mocks with much more intel uh, than they had than we have on the outside, uh, trying to do our, you know, mocks and draft simulations and things like that. And they put together their draft boards. And what the Vikings are going to have to figure out is where the strengths of the draft are, because they need to decide can they trade down and still get what they need. Uh, because when you have so few draft picks, how do you get more? It's only by trading down. But we saw last year they traded so far down from you know the top of the draft where they could have taken maybe Jamison Williams or Kyle Hamilton all the way to number 32 where they take Louis Seen. That's a long way to go down the draft board without getting a next year's first. Usually that's what comes along with it. And maybe they didn't balance that in the best way that they, that they should have. Uh, and so they have to make the same considerations this year. You can't just trade down all the time because it, You know, says it on the draft chart that that's the right thing to do. It's a year to year thing, uh, because if it's strong in the cornerback draft, which it's expected to be, maybe you can move down out of the first round and get a starting corner in the early second round or something like that and pick up an extra third or an extra fourth round draft pick because you have a lot of positions down the road and immediately that you need filled. So I think that's the really the biggest consideration that we know that Brian Forrest's defense needs players and how are you going to get them or do you have to stay at 23? To get a decent prospect and sacrifice the idea, you know, of moving down and getting more picks because you know that guys that are of a higher level of prospect are not going to be there. So there, there is a lot to weigh uh, coming out of this about how the draft board looks and where the strengths are.
0: Yeah, well, let, let me ask you this because I, I, I've never been. <laughs> I'm still fascinated by the info combine. I'll, I'm, I'll be watching, you know, video of guys running forties and. They'll show the videos of the guys benching and stuff like that. But I've never been there, and and, and you go there, um, you know, on a regular basis. Um, is it off-limits for, like, do any free agents ever just show up there because it's kind of a spot where there's a lot of NFL personnel where they're like, you know what, I'm probably out of a job here in the next, you know, whatever short amount of time. Maybe I can use the NFL Combine as an opportunity to um, to maybe talk to some people, or is that kind of a like a no-fly zone because it's all about the prospects?
1: Oh no, they definitely do that. Yeah, I mean Derek Carr is here in India or was. Oh, okay,
0: uh, I was wondering about that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> all right. right. Now, it's, uh, now normally, normally though, it's the agents are here and they're going to do that job. So they're going to represent their players and they're going to, you know, try to gauge whether their team is going to re-sign them or not and things like that. But if you're someone like Derek Carr, who's already a free agent, see that's the major problem about talking about free agents here is that the guys aren't technically free agents until the start of the new league year. So it's not like anyone who's expected to be a free agent can just come and talk to all the GMs. <laughs> that would be uh, not that tampering, whatever happened in pro sports, but like that would uh, probably break some rules. Uh, but if you're Derek Carr and you're already on the market and you've been released, yeah. I mean, you could come here, you can meet with teams. And, uh, kind of see where your market value stands, um, before even the free agency period starts. But, I mean, it doesn't, he doesn't have to wait till then. He could sign today if he wanted to. But that's kind of a rare situation. So it's usually agents trying to gauge the interest. And that's why I was talking about those late night conversations where technically agents aren't supposed to be negotiating deals for free agents that aren't free agents yet but I'm sure that it comes up (laughs) as they're talking to lots of people in a lot of different places.
0: All right, final thing for you, Matthew, and then we'll let you go. Um, And this is not in relation to the Vikings at all because we have plenty of time, we got plenty of shows to talk more Vikings and what comes out of the NFL Combine, but I want your thoughts or just tell me what the buzz has been surrounding Jalen Carter. Like Jalen Carter, it comes out yesterday, the news breaks that he was involved in the fatal crash and it was it sounds like they were racing and, and all of this stuff and, and so he had to go and he was um, he was charged uh, yesterday, he showed up, he, he left Indy and went back to, um, to Athens last night, was booked, released, and it sounds like he's back in Indianapolis. but just tell me what the last 24 hours has been like with that specific story.
1: Yeah, a lot of people are talking about that here for sure. And uh, just last night I was at dinner uh, debating with an agent about whether you know it's actually going to hurt his draft stock or not, because I think it won't. I don't think it will at all. I, I think it's going to be one of those things they look at and say, uh, well, this is the most talented player in the draft, and it was an, a very, very bad incident. And I don't want to downplay that, but this is a league that gave Deshaun Watson more guaranteed money than anyone else has ever gotten ever, so, I don't know that they care a lot about this. I mean, it's, if, it's a, if it was a thing that they thought was going to be chronic or that was going to happen all the time in the NFL, but I think for a lot of teams, you sort of shrug your shoulders and you say poor judgment and you draft them anyway, which is, I, I think that's the most likely scenario. But it's, in, I guarantee you, in every one of those restaurants I described, like people are talking about that and debating whether that's actually going to matter or not. I, I, I would tend to lean toward it, probably won't, uh, considering some of the other things that players have done uh, over the years and things like that. I mean, I, I tend to think that uh, this will sort of blow over because it, it isn't like a felony or something, if it's just a couple of misdemeanors. And again, I'm not downplaying what actually happened. I'm only saying from the NFL viewpoint, uh, I don't even know if you really red flag that. The only thing that might be a red flag though is that it blindsided everybody and that's what teams and agents don't like and if he knew that that was coming and didn't tell anyone now that could actually make some teams say you know what we're going to draft a couple other guys because we're really concerned that he's just not even going to be like honest with us if something happens so i you know i I can't say for sure but most people i've talked to kind of felt like i don't think it's going to destroy his draft stock
0: yep hey matthew man always a pleasure to have you on the radio and safe travels back from indy All right. Thanks a lot, Henry. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. That's Matthew Collar joining us here on The Good Neighbor. All right. We'll break. Come back. Wrap up the hour next.